looking at a group of people today that is hungry for righteousness. I believe I'm looking at a group of people today that have a love for truth, a group of people that actually want holiness. I believe you have a desire to please the Lord. You're faithful, and I believe that you intend to apprehend your calling. And I, I honestly believe with everything within me that as I speak to you, I believe that in your heart, you actually plan on hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I also stand here today believing that you have a love for the word of God. The word of God is alive. This story is old, but the truth is ageless. It is forever settled and it will not pass away. The printed page that we hold in our hand can actually be destroyed, but the word will remain. It can be hated, it can be denied, it can be ridiculed, it can be ignored, it can be put on a shelf, but it cannot be done away with. His word. Are you thankful for the word today? Amen. I'm thankful. His word. His word brings with it blessing for obedience. Moses reminded the people of God in Deuteronomy chapter 28. He said, and it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth and these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee and if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and all that thou settest thine hand unto, he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee in holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee if Thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. God blesses obedience to his word. And then God gave this charge to Joshua. Joshua, now Moses' successor, is getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And before they step over it toward Jericho and they see the walls fall, God had a meeting with Joshua. And God told him in Joshua chapter 1 verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all according to the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous and then shalt thou have good success. Poke your neighbor, make sure they're awake and tell them obedience brings blessing. Jesus declared this in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 as, as, as the conclusion of his incredible sermon. Matthew seven twenty four. therefore, 
Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. There's blessing when we obey the word of God. There's strength when we obey the word of God. There is a future, there is hope when we obey the word of God. His word is truth and truth is settled. Truth is sure and truth doesn't change. As believers, y'all with me? As believers, we are set apart by his truth. The Bible word is sanctified. We are sanctified. Jesus said this in John 17, 14, as he's praying. He said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word sanctify means to make holy. It means to make clean. It means to set apart for a purpose. To be set apart from what is common, to be set apart to what is sacred. Poke your neighbor and remind them you're set apart. And then Peter kind of tied it all together. That's the last time I'll tell you to poke your neighbor for five minutes. Peter kind of tied it all together in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, when he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should shew forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past you were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You're set apart by truth. And then Paul drove this home when he's talking to, to the church and he uses the illustration of a husband and wife for us and, and, and our Savior as our groom. But he said in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Y'all know what y'all are doing today? Y'all are getting ready for a wedding. Now, there's two people going to get married next month that's in this room today, or four actually, two couples that's going to get married next month. I'm not talking about a physical wedding that's going to take place down on the farm or down in a venue somewhere in Humboldt. I'm talking about that eternal celebration that we've been invited to and we want to make sure we don't miss. Somebody say, I want to make the party. I want to make sure that we make that heavenly party in Revelation 19, 6. I heard as it were a voice of a great multitude and 
as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. The Lord is getting us ready for that great day. The Lord has put some things in my heart as pastor of this wonderful church. He's put some things in my heart for this hour, this time that we're in right now. Thinking back over, and I know I come across a lot of times as just being random, but I look at it as a focused randomness. And, and the Lord had put it in my heart just over the past couple of months, our development and our growing and our faith and our understanding of the things of God. And there's some things that we need to be mindful of for this age. And Paul tells us in the 12th chapter of Romans, he said, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. The word world in that passage means age. Don't be conformed to this age that you're living in, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God put it in my heart, and I looked back on it a few weeks ago, and I brought in a Bible study where we, we want to make sure we focus on the fact that we're not conformed to the values and to the customs and to the culture of this age that we're living in, but that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what brings the renewing of our mind is the Spirit of God and the truth of the Word of God that brings about this renewing of our mind. That we are progressively changed as we mature in our faith. That we're focusing on godly values and right attitudes. That we're realizing it doesn't matter if we don't fit into this world because this world is not what it's all about. We, we are an original masterpiece. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter two, we are an original masterpiece. That great workman has worked in our life. We are an original masterpiece designed by God. We are not a cheap copy of the world. And we need to make up our mind that I am allowing God to develop and shape and mold and make me into what he wants me to be. And we also want to regularly focus on the fact that we need to establish consistency in our life. We need to have a love like Jesus for this world that we're living in. And we need to engage for this age. You know what it's time for? It's time for 100% participation in the work of the kingdom of God. It's time that all of us that are sitting here this morning realize I'm part of his church, I'm in his kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And God has begun recently to stir my heart about prayer and spiritual battle. To realize that we are opposing a force that is out for our destruction. To realize what we are opposing to revive our love for truth. 
I've been reading statistics lately that says in a few years, Christianity will not be the dominant religion in the United States of America, that Christianity is on a decline. Now, I'm not too sure where they're getting their statistics. I don't believe they visited First Pentecostal Church. I don't believe they visited these apostolic churches that are seeking a move of the Holy Ghost. You know, this world may be in a recession. We're going into revival. We're having a move of God. We're seeing a move of the Spirit of God. The Lord is adding to the church daily such as should be saved. So nobody asked my opinion about it. We're not in decline. We're just advancing toward the coming of the Lord and we're getting stronger as the authority of God unfolds day by day by day. But it's time that we realize that it's 100% participation that we need to be involving ourselves in and re-engage in spiritual warfare. And when we look at the scripture, we see that it serves as a lesson for us for today. When you look at the Bible, when you look at the word of God, you look at the stories, and we preach both the Old and the New Testament, and when you look at this, it's more than just Bible studies to entertain us. It's more than just veggie tales or some sort of entertaining Bible story that we feed that desire to be entertained with. What we've been given in the word of God, there's some things in the Old Testament that as we begin to look at them and the connection in the New Testament, we see that what has been, we are seeing it played out in front of us right now. We see Ahab attitudes, Jezebel spirits, and what I rise to talk to you about for the next few moments is the Balaam doctrine. Going back to our text scripture, in Roman, or Revelation chapter two, verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write these things, saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is, and how Thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in these or those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against you or against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication." I want to preface what I'm about to go into by just simply telling you this, that tolerance has limits. Tolerance has limits. We put up with some things, but there are sometimes that clear lines have to be drawn. Pergamos is the church that's mentioned here in, in this text. And the characters... The main character, obviously, is Jesus, and John has seen the revelation of his glory there in the first chapter of Revelation. But Jesus, who had the sharp two-edged sword going forth from his mouth, that's symbolic of the word. And so as the one that is the word giving the word, he's making this statement. He said, I know where you live. Pergamos was an actual place. And he said, I know where you live. There where you live is this great acropolis on the highest part of, that, uh, of your city, on the, 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 the hill part of your city. And there at this great acropolis, there is this massive altar to Zeus, the Greek god 
in Greek mythology. There's this massive altar to Zeus. And it towers a thousand feet above you. And Jesus is saying, I see where you are. I know exactly where you are. He used the terminology Satan's seat. He said, but right there where you are in the midst of this paganism, in the midst of Satan's seat, you hold fast to my name. You have not denied my faith. You're standing firm, but there's an issue I want to deal with. He said, I have this against you, that you have them among you that hold the doctrine of Balaam. You're tolerating something that to me is intolerable. Are y'all with me right now? So there comes a time that a line has to be drawn. Tolerance can only go so far. And if you cross the line into what God doesn't tolerate, it's time to address the issue. So you have them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. And so God mentions this. He says, repent or you will have to fight against me. I will be your enemy. Here's a word for y'all. And some of y'all have shared words with me. And I want to give this word. It's, a, it's not an uncommon word. You may, you may know it. It's the word syncretism. And the word syncretism just simply is the combination of different forms of beliefs or practices. It's the fusion of things that are different, things that actually shouldn't go together but have been brought together. That's what you see behind this doctrine of Balaam is the idea of syncretism. And Peter warned when he's writing to the church, Peter warned against false prophets in the last days and he used Balaam for an example. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says, but there, are, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And jump down to verse 12. But these are natural brute beasts, and made to be taken and destroyed. They speak evil of the things which they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption." and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the, riot in the daytime. Spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart. They have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, or, or Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the, the madness of the prophet. The story, I gave the media the scriptures. I'm not gonna read all the scriptures uh, Morgan, I'm not going to go through all of them, but the children of Israel were on their, on their pilgrimage to the promised land. And they were seeing the provision of God. They were having victory over their opposition. And if you saw this story unfold in Numbers, the 22nd chapter, as they're going forward, they pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of, of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak the son of Zippor, he saw what Israel was doing. He saw that the hand of God was upon Israel. 
And so what Balaam did is he, he said to these it said to the elders, the Moabites and the Midianites, he said, they're, they're defeating everybody. The people of God is having victory. So what we need to do is we can't fight against them. They're bigger than we are. God's with them. But let's get us a prophet. Let's get somebody that can speak anti-blessing upon them or someone that can actually curse them. So they sent for Balaam. Balaam was a Midianite. So they sent down to Midian. Balaam had a name that he was a prophet. He had a name that he could be hired. And Balaam became a hired prophet. He was contracted out to curse the people of God. Balak hired him. Balaam told him. He entered into a contract with him. And Balaam said, now, you can give me all the money in the world, but I can't, I can't do anything but just speak what God puts in my mouth and I can't curse what God has blessed. But Balak had the idea, well, just try it anyway. So Balaam went with the Moabites. And it was on that morning when you see the story in, in Numbers chapter 22. It was on that day that he was going with them to go and curse the, uh, the children of God. That as he's making his way, he's riding on his donkey. And as he's making his way, the angel of the Lord stands in front of the donkey and the donkey swerves. Balaam gets mad. The donkey goes by this wall and he swerves and runs up against the wall and, and, and rubs Balaam's foot up against the wall. Balaam's just, I mean, he's losing it, y'all. He's losing it. And then finally they get to this narrow spot and the donkey can't go to the right or to the left so he just falls down on the ground and Balaam flips out and he starts beating on the donkey and the donkey starts talking to him. He said, haven't you, I've been good to you since I was little. You're the only master I've ever had. I've never acted this way. Balaam was so mad, he didn't realize he was talking to a donkey. And he started having a conversation with the donkey. And then God opened his eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing there with a drawn sword in his hand. God was displeased. Balaam is a story that you need to study out because even though he was heading in the wrong direction and God was displeased in the direction that he was going, he still continued to persist to do his own thing. And God spoke to him and said, just go ahead, but you're gonna speak what I say to speak. And three different times, Balaam lifted his hands over this great flock of the children of God and as he opened his mouth, God couldn't allow him to speak words except those that would bless the people of God because God will not curse what he has blessed. And the Balaam doctrine begins to, beget, begins to become established. The Balaam doctrine, however, is not the idea that you can't curse what God has blessed. That's not the Balaam doctrine. The Balaam doctrine is this. You can only, or pardon me, you can fully cooperate with the world and still serve God. The Balaam doctrine is summed up with that statement. You can fully cooperate with the world and still serve God. The Balaam doctrine is summed up as separation is unimportant. Compromise is okay. A little sin is no problem. Blend in, mix in. 
syncretism. You see what Balaam did? Balaam instructed Balak, the king of the Moabites. Balaam instructed Balak to have the Moabites and Israelites merge through marriages. And they brought with it their idolatry and lost in the process their purity. God had intended that they be a holy nation and the doctrine of Balaam caused contamination. And later on in the 31st chapter of Numbers, the eighth verse, they slew the kings of Midian besides the rest of them that were slain, namely Evi and Rechem and Zer and Hur and Reba, five kings of Midian, Balaam also the son of Beor, they slew with the sword. What's the Balaam doctrine? The Balaam doctrine is you can't overcome what God has blessed, but you can cause it to be weakened if you will mingle with it, if you'll merge with it. And Satan knows because God has already established that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. You can't defeat the church of the living God. So he's not trying a full scale attack against the church. He's trying to infiltrate the church so that he can weaken it from the inside. The Balaam doctrine is merged with the world. Syncretism, it's okay to blend in. But I rise to tell you this morning, God called you out of darkness not to walk in shadows, but to walk in the light. God didn't bring you out of the pit so you can hang around the lip of the pit, but to get as far away as you could possibly get. God's called you out of the grave, Lazarus. Leave the tomb behind and your grave clothes. Your grave clothes are your history. You see what we have today, Satan's been working on this Balaam doctrine for thousands of years. He knows his time is short. And I believe with all my heart the Lord could come even while I'm preaching to you this morning. Satan knows his time is short. And it's already been declared that he can't defeat the church of the living God. But if he can get you to blend in with the world, he's accomplished his purpose already. You're not called to be part of the world. You're called to be separate from the world. Come out and walk in the truth. Walk in the light. Live the word of God. Live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. Hallelujah. The word of God gives to us four times, four passages of scripture. The word of God gives to us four different words in association with Balaam. In Numbers 31, 16, it's called the counsel of Balaam. 2 Peter 2, 15, it's called the way of Balaam. In Jude 1 and 11, it's called the error of Balaam. And in our text verse, Revelation 2, 14, it's called the doctrine of Balaam. Counsel, as it's mentioned in Numbers. Counsel is a word, it's talk. Way, as Peter mentioned, is a journey, it's a path, it's a way. Error, as Jude used, is to stray from truth. Doctrine is the teachings, instructions, it's what is taught. It starts with a wrong word, just as simple as the wrong advice. The wrong word can start you on the wrong path, causing you to stray from truth and causing you to go into believing teaching that's gonna lead to death. 
It doesn't matter if it hurts your feelings or not. If it goes against the established truth of the word of God, that's what's going to stand. Your feelings are temporary, but the word of God is what's going to stand for eternity. I don't like the idea of separation, Brother David. Well, then you might as well go ahead and get your ticket punched to hell because you sure ain't gonna make it to glory. He said, you gotta come out. I will be your father if you come out. Come out, come out, come out. I'm not here this morning. We're too close to the coming of the Lord for me to try to make you feel good. You didn't come for a pep talk this morning. You came because you need the truth of the living God. And it's truth that's gonna set us free. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, but the good thing about Jesus is he doesn't leave us dangling in a place of despair. He doesn't leave us hopeless just thinking about the Balaam doctrine. He doesn't leave us there all by ourselves. You know what he does? He gives us a final word on the matter. In Revelation 2, verse 16, his final word on the matter, Jesus said, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. Repent, that means you turn around from where you were, ask forgiveness, walk away from that, and then, y'all still with me? Verse 17, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that received it. Now I'm about to go into my second point, and I may not make my third one, but I'm, I am gonna preach tonight. Notice what he said. Pop that verse back up there one more time, Morgan. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. I'm talking to the overcomers today. I'm not talking to the hell-bound Balaam doctrine acceptors. I'm talking to the overcomers this morning. The overcomers. Because with his warning comes his grace. And with his calling out from sin comes his promise. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it. We're here this morning to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We're not here to tune in to the voice of this age. This is your respite. You don't have your satellite radio sending you into gloom, doom, and despair right now. You don't have the country songs getting you into a beer drinking mood right now. You don't have your blues music playing that's causing you to despair over everything right now. Your soaps aren't distracting you. Your TV shows aren't distracting you. You're in the presence of God to hear the word of God and hear here is what the Spirit is saying to the church. It's not the voice of this age. It's not the noise from those outside. It's not the counsel of Balaam that we're hearing today. It's what the Lord is saying to his people. 
There is a promise. Poke your neighbor, it's been 15 minutes. Poke your neighbor and say there's a promise. There's a promise to those who refused to indulge in the fleshly appetite. Did you see what Jesus said? He said, I will feed you. Pause there for a moment. Nathan, I, I, I'm not gonna make it to the end, so just come on back. I will feed you. Psalm 36, seven, the Bible said, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house and, they, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. He said, he that overcometh, I will give you to eat. We used to sing an old song and I, I don't even know the title of it or I, I could have looked it up. But it's got a line in there that says, I'm feasting on manna from heaven. Anybody remember that old phrase? I'm feasting on manna from heaven. Mama, what's that song? Okay. The windows of heaven are open. Mm. Who yelled that out, Nicole? The windows of heaven are open. I don't know all that song and I sure ain't gonna cut into singing, but it's got that line, I'm feasting on manna from heaven. I'm feasting on heavenly manna. Jesus said in John 6, 31, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. John 6, 33, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus said, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna feed you. But he used a terminology called hidden manna. And this is an allusion to the fact that Moses had Aaron to gather a pot of manna and put it in the Ark of the Covenant. Ensconced away in the secret place of the Ark of the Covenant, untouched and consecrated. When Jesus said, I'm gonna give you hidden manna, he wasn't talking about something that is common. He's talking about something that only God can give. The world can't touch this. God gives us what man cannot touch. Paul said in reference to this in Colossians 3, 3, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Somebody needs to realize you're in an untouchable spot. You're in a place where the enemy cannot overcome and destroy you. You are with him secretly placed in the, in the presence of your provider. And then he said, I will give you. I will feed you. I will give you. He said, I will give you a white stone and in that stone, a new name written. This indicates not merely white in color, but something shining, bright, glistering white. And on the stone is graven a new name. 
And this indicates the transformation that he's made in our life. It indicates the name change that he's given us. Jacob wrestled with God and God changed his name. And now in Revelations 2, he said, I will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it. No one knows what he has done for you like you know. No one knows the change that he's made in your life like you do. And no one knows except the one that has received what God has given. And he calls you overcomer. You are blessed. You are changed. He changed your identity. He changed your direction. He changed your future. You see what I'm talking about today is he's called you out of the Balaam doctrine. You've come to a place of repentance and his blessing has been declared over your life. So today, child of God, today, I'm talking to those in this room today. that you've tried to the point of frustration of living for God and blending with the world. Your frustration will stop when you go all in for the Lord. And I'm talking to some today that have said in their hearts, Brother David, I've lived a separate life. I'm not enjoying the blessings of God like you're shouting about you need to do is to say hey Lord I don't want to be like that grappy big brother in the prodigal son story if you told me that all that I have or all that you have is mine God I'm ready to pull up to the table I'm ready to quit grappling I'm ready to start partying because there's some of y'all been grappling when you need to just pull up to the table and eat some Holy Ghost food today I'm gonna close with this. Someone very near and dear to me asked me to describe what going all in means. And it spurred a Bible study in my mind and I wrote it down and sent it back to them. All in just simply means everything included. And all in for Jesus is the opposite of what the Balaam doctrine teaches. Would you stand with me? The antithesis of secretism is separation. The antithesis of compromising with this life is fully committing to life in Jesus. Would you bow your heads? The Lord's been doing this week after week, week after week. He's been dealing with us for obedience not following our own feelings about things just simply yielding submitting devoting giving ourselves 
fully and completely. The Word of God tells us, Jesus makes the statement that if any man's gonna come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you're gonna save your life, you'll lose it, but if you'll lose your life for my sake, you're gonna find it, he said. What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? When Jesus said, take up your cross, they knew what he was referring to. He's referring to an, inst an instrument of death, an instrument of which there is no return. The cross destroys what was. But then the destruction of what was in the losing of our life, we have that blessed privilege of being able to walk into His. Man, I feel something stirring in this place today. Two people, two groups that I'm speaking to this morning. One group that is trying to blend things, trying to live for God and live in the world at the same time. It's time to make a commitment that says, I want to be all in. The second group that has made the commitment that you're not enjoying the blessing. It's time to renew that relationship with the Lord and pour yourself back up to His table and enjoy what it means to be seated with Him in heavenly places. Let's go into this song. The ladies' ministry is getting ready to transition into baptism. But I'm asking all of us that are willing if we just gather around this front. Let's lift our hands and with it our heart. Let's renew our commitment to the Lord in this room today. God's spoken to some hearts in this place this morning. And it's time to step into obedience. It's time to walk into what God has called you into. In Jesus' name. I give myself away so Oh, 